Hello and welcome. I'm Dr Joanna Bucknell and you're listening to Talking About Immersive Theatre, or Tate for short, that's T-A-I-T. So this is an extrasode where I talk to Owen Kingston from Parabolic Theatre about the impact of the coronavirus on his practice and the work that he's been doing. So uh, I'll let you at it straight away. Enjoy. So I'm here on Zoom, uh, like everybody else is, uh, with Owen Kingston from Parabolic Theatre. Interestingly, the last episode that we recorded before I took kind of a very extended break was actually with you. <laughs> but um, we find ourselves, I think, in a very different situation now. Um, so last time we actually spoke, not on an episode, but like in person, was just before Christmas uh, down in London. And I know you had loads of exciting plans kind of in the pipeline. And of course, the world has um, sort of gone into a strange meltdown since we had that chat. And I wanted to just really find out how coronavirus has kind of affected Parabolic and you, uh, sort of in the immediate, really, what impact it's had, uh, you know, other than just the stopping, which is the obvious thing. <laughs> what yeah. genuine impact that's actually had on the practice at the moment uh well uh yeah obviously everything being shut down is the biggest thing um we had an interesting journey into the start of the lockdown um we have a storage site in croydon where we've got all of our uh props and set and everything from all of our shows stored it's quite a large five thousand square foot warehouse and uh, not in the best repair um we had a so the weekend before the lockdown started um i had a phone call on the saturday morning from uh somebody we shared that storage site with saying that uh there was an inch of water all over the building and i needed to come down straight away and he was worried a lot of our stuff had been ruined um and so i rushed straight down there and called him help from as many of the parabolic family as lived nearby some that didn't live very nearby who came <laughs> um, and uh, and we spent a whole day uh, sort of trying to get rid of really rather a lot of water uh, this site um, it's a very old building and a, there's a pipe that had burst and just started uh, we're, we're glad that we caught it when we did because we think it had probably been going for about 24 hours given the amount of water that was there Wow. If we had to get it until later, it could have been a lot, lot worse. But even so, it was not good. Um, everything pretty much had been touched by the water in some way. Some of it relatively easy to dry off. Some of it like uh, vintage World War II costumes. <sighs> really scary what damage might have been done there. Um, so we, we dried everything off the best we could. We've brought in dehumidifiers um, and then that weekend also was uh, the last weekend for bridge command we had to shut bridge command down uh, just I think the last performance was on the Thursday of that week um, and uh, yeah so we uh, we had a huge amount of sets to bring back from bridge command bridge command being one of our uh, heaviest sets in that regard so um, so we managed to get the place dry Saturday and Sunday and then uh, went over to Colab and loaded up a van and brought everything back. And we got the last load in on the Monday, I think it was the Monday, that they announced that we were going into the lockdown. I think it was whichever day it was that they announced that, I think it was the Monday, was the day that we got the, the last load in. And probably about half an hour before they announced that that was what was going to happen. Oh, God. Uh, and so we just had to shut the door on the place uh, with the dehumidifier still running and hope for the best. Um, I've been back briefly a couple of times just to empty the dehumidifiers and close off uh, bits and pieces, and, uh, but I've not really been able to look at everything properly. Yeah. We won't know until they lift the lockdown now what we've lost and what we haven't. We just have to wait and see. Um, we had some people suggest we do a GoFundMe uh but i don't actually know what we've lost i don't want to be doing a gofundme if we've not lost very much you know yeah but, yeah absolutely but if, we, if we've lost a lot then we might have to because uh obviously there are shows there that we're looking at bringing back and if you've yep. got some rebuild everything for those shows from scratch that's going to get expensive 
So there's yeah. that. That's had a hell of an impact. It's not really directly linked to the coronavirus, but I mean, we're not able to do anything about it because of the coronavirus. So in the back of my head all the time is this thinking of, do we still have everything that we thought we had? Yeah. Um, is a concern. Um, and then obviously we had to shut down bridge command a little bit early, not unlike some folk had it much worse than us. We were quite lucky, really. We only had a few days of the show left to run. So yeah. from our point of view, it was sad not to finish it the way we wanted to. And we certainly had some very disappointed audiences who didn't get to see the last episodes of it because they booked for the end of the run. And uh, But we were really blessed by a huge number of very generous people who didn't want refunds. Wow. You know, we, 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 we sent an email out to people saying, look, uh, you know, we're, this is a big problem for us. And we are planning to do a second version of the show, a sort of a 2.0 version of the show. Um, whenever, you know, at that point we were saying later in the year, because we were thinking the lockdown would be long gone by, by September or something. Mm-hmm. Not, not longer than that now, but we are still planning to do uh, a 2.0 version of Bridge Command. So we said, if you, you know, we, perhaps we can honour your tickets later. Um, but please, you know, if you... If, we did give some refunds because fair enough, some people need their money back. It's quite a lot of money in some cases, yeah. but we were really, really blessed by people not to mind because if everyone had wanted their money back, we would have gone bust. That was just the truth yeah. of it because there are things you've spent that you can't recoup. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were a lot better off than I think some companies might have been. Well, that's been a big, then, um, a big move actually across the board, I've noticed in terms of the creative industries, is they said the kindest thing. And the most supportive thing you could do is not ask for refunds, even from some of the big institutions here at the yeah. moment. They're just hemorrhaging. Well, that's it. And the margins money. are so slim anyway. Uh, even for the big players, the margins are incredibly slim. So, it, yeah, I mean, so we're really grateful to a lot of people who are so supportive of us uh, because I think we managed to give a couple of refunds. But if we had to do more than that, I think we would have. We would have lost that heavily. We're already grateful for the government um, delaying of VAT payments because we had a very big VAT payment due. Yeah. And being able to not pay that now has meant that we've again not gone bust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, there were there were some big things there, and of course all our future plans are now on hold, and there's some very exciting things coming up, which mm. <laughs> spoken to the people that we were working with, they should all still happen. Um, which is really good uh, <laughs> but uh, when they happen is obviously dependent upon the government and the advice that's given and the yeah. progress of this horrible virus um, because you can't open stuff up and put people at risk whether no. that's audiences or actors and obviously with uh, the sort of work that we do um, the risks are potentially greater particularly for larger audience work Absolutely. where you've got an awful lot of people all in one place that's that's scary stuff yeah um but we had a we had a, a return of the king country plan for this coming weekend um oh. which was a big secret plan which we hadn't told anybody about we were building up to sort of make that announcement when everything mm-hmm. went south with the virus that we'd be making some arrangements to have a, a big uh, big, well, big scale return of the King Country with a, an expanded version of the show with a slightly larger audience, going up to fifty people, um, oh. with add, added mechanics, added uh, con- quite a lot of added content in a new venue. Um, so uh, we're hopeful that will still go ahead. Having spoken to them, uh, yeah. they're keen for it to go ahead when everything reopens. But um, but we wanted to be open for the VAE day weekend celebration of course of course yeah uh, so we're quite sad that we weren't able to do that really um because the obviously it is a tremendous uh celebration in some ways of the the victories within the war and the lessons learned from the war so you know that's mm-hmm. um something we still be keen to do uh, but when it happens now as anyone's guess so that was on the on the table we had been working with the new diorama theater to bring back crisis or crisis Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point in the autumn and they're still keen to do that um, uh, which is good um, so uh, but it won't be happening anytime soon <laughs> obviously um, so yeah so that's another thing uh, and then um, uh, what else um, Bridge Command 2.0 that's the that's the, the biggest project 
um, we managed to attract the uh, uh, a company, an investment company, who were keen to work work with us on developing a new version of the show. And Great. that work is going on now at the moment. In fact, that's what I've been doing today uh, is working on that, um, and it's going to keep going on. But uh, the pace of development is obviously going to be slowed somewhat. Yeah. But yeah, to have that ready to go, uh, it'll be something next year now. Um, so is that the general feeling then? Is it of kind of really that things are on hold rather than kind of disappearing? Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, certainly from the perspective of parabolic, that's where we are. We're on hold. We're not disappearing. Good. I think uh, where people might be disappearing is just dependent on financial situation, really. Yeah. If you've got companies, we, we're fortunate in that we have very low overheads. Mm -hmm. um, and we're able to reduce those down to next to nothing for an indefinite period. Yeah. Um, and we have enough cash on hand to, to do that, just about, uh, thanks to the government not demanding its VAT payments until next year. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, uh, so we're in a good position. Some companies are not in as good a position. Uh, and so, I, yeah. We just have to hope and pray that people can hold it together. Like that, I think. Mm -hmm. That people, individuals, actual people rather than companies can survive yeah. long enough to be able to run a company when, when this whole thing uh, finishes up. Um, I mean, again, that's where uh, me and my family are doing okay, thankfully. Mm -hmm. I'm married and my wife's income is uh, reasonably stable. And uh, working on British Command 2.0 has been generating income for me, so that's been okay. Um, but uh, I know that a lot of the parabolic family were, were all freelancers, and a lot of people, particularly actors now, are really, really struggling. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's difficult to know how to survive that. I, I know some people have just turned to other day jobs. Um, yeah there's really very little in the way of work for actors we've been working in the background trying to develop something that can happen um from home mm -hmm. i think a lot of people have I've, I've seen a fair share of online shakespeare's now and other things like that which are great fun yeah um, but what i've been missing obviously is the interactivity yes um, and so we've been looking at how do we do a how do we do a show that's interactive how do we do a parabolic show online, really? Um, yeah. spent a few that. We, there, was, there was a temptation when all this started to rush straight into trying to put something out there immediately. Mm -hmm. and we resisted that. We resisted that partly because nobody really was in a position to do that. It was very chaotic those first couple of weeks. Yes. Um, uh, you know, we, we at home here, we were having an extension built and uh, they just ripped out my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> when they announced the lockdown and so I didn't have a kitchen for the first couple of weeks we were living off microwave really um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Tom, Tom Black uh, a long time collaborator uh, who wrote Crisis or Crisis uh, he was due to move house um, that within a couple of weeks of the lockdown he did they did actually move they, they, they were moving from one part to another they did do it in the end. Um, but uh, you know so that's chaos as well so we we didn't really have the capacity in those first few weeks to put anything out there no. and um and we were then very aware that if you're not going to be the first then you definitely want to be the best or at least be very good um yeah. you don't want to do a rubbish job of it so uh, we put, put quite a bit of effort into trying to come up with something that's robust and playable and good fun and mm -hmm. uh, we're getting there <laughs> there'll be hopefully some kind of little announcement in the next couple of weeks or something that, um, that, that people can have a go at which is going to be different to anything else I've seen out there mm -hmm. so far uh, but I haven't seen everything so uh, no. probably done it <laughs> and I, no but I, I think that's that's the thing isn't it is early on I was actually expecting a huge potential sort of glut of stuff coming up especially about isolation and, and yes. lockdown and I've seen kind of some things that have come through but I think actually for most people the first few weeks was chaotic it yeah. was challenging adjusting 
to different types of, of being at home and what that means for people with childcare, with jobs, with not jobs, and all of those sorts of things. And I think really people just didn't have the headspace to be creative initially, I think. Yeah, <laughs> And it's very difficult to create from a place of fear. Yes. And people were have been very afraid, and yeah. legitimately so, uh, afraid of the virus, afraid of the effects of uh, the knock-on effects of the virus, whether that's yeah. economic or you know, just I remember it's very difficult, very difficult to resist panic buying. Yeah. Know? Because there is that real fear of well, is there going to be a food? supply chain in a few weeks time and thankfully yeah. there is but those yeah those first few weeks were, were were a very scary time and that does completely stifle your ability to do something that's creative and yeah um, create from scratch um but obviously there have been some great uh, online theater things yeah um, but there hasn't i haven't really seen much in the way of interactive stuff i was interested no. to see come out from design my night the other day with a list of things and there seems as there's a few murder oh, mysteries there I sure. i'm gonna make a note of that <laughs> yeah it was a it was a one of design my night circular emails which have got very interesting over the last few weeks there mm. was one that came out which was like interesting places to go for a walk that's like they really are scraping the barrel now <laughs> This one was was a nurse of events that happened in in London. It seemed to be mostly sort of murder mystery things. Yeah, uh, yeah. There were a couple of escape rooms, online escape rooms, and I'm really curious as to how that works. When yeah. I can find them, so I'm going to have to see if I can do one of them just to see what they've yeah, done. Yeah. Not... There people that are sort of facilitating the playing in an escape room remotely by having someone in their physical escape room, or whether it's mm. something that's been built in a digital environment. I'm not sure what. It yeah, it'd so be interesting to see. Yeah. I've been thinking because initially I was the same. I was um, first of all skeptical, um, mm. watching all the stuff fly out of the supermarkets, and I, I kind of said to myself, "I'm not going to do that. This is crazy." Mm. But then, of course, after a couple of times of going and there being nothing, you mm. kind of go, oh, "Okay, actually, yeah. I might buy some stuff I don't necessarily need because I'm a bit frightened. There's not going to be any more yeah. food." Yeah, I've never felt like that. I've never walked around. I mean, the first time we went, there was nothing on any shelf at all in Birmingham. And I was just like, oh my goodness, there's, like, there's literally no food. And I'm lists, I'm so organized. So I, I write a menu for every week and then I write a shopping list that just facilitates that menu. <laughs> so I don't have spare stuff because we were going, we got to the point where we we're wasting loads of food or all, you know, all the mm. usual things. And I mm. thought, this is nuts. So I'm just going to only buy what I need for meals for the week then it's it's much better for the environment much better for your pocket but when yeah. things like this happen i kind of look in my cupboards and went oh i, d I don't have like yeah. random the odd yeah. random thing of course that you've bought like when like yellow yeah. yellow ticket syndrome <laughs> sure. yeah. no, but mostly i was like yeah. i don't have i'm gonna get to friday when my menu runs out and I'm not gonna have any food <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, it was scary. So it was hard to kind of, and especially with work then, they were kind of going, oh, okay, just turn your teaching to being online. And you're like, okay. In our discipline, that, that's challenging when we yeah, teach. Really I mean, I mostly teach practice as well on, my, on the course. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I'm, I don't want to talk about work too much because um, no. we, a lot of the decisions are out of my hand they come down kind of from senate and we get kind of told what to do and they've actually made some extremely humane decisions at my institution um, which has been great but actually it's much more work there's this idea oh oh you're at home you're just doing a few things but you become everyone's personal tutor everyone needs one-on-one -on -one time instead of speaking to large groups and so actually i found that my time has has been taken up a, a great deal more and so trying yes. to think but now it's only now i'm starting to think okay actually now i i do want to maybe make something because i'm thinking about that one-on-one -on -one, which is yeah. what i do and i'm like so how do i mine is about tactile being eating drinking so i'm yeah. really this week my mind has started to go okay now i think i'm i'm about ready to start to think about how do i especially i thought this was going to be fairly short-lived i don't know why i thought that but i thought a month six weeks but this That's is what we were thinking to start with as well that it wouldn't necessarily go on that long and it's not it's going to be a long time I mean, yeah I and 
the stage comes through the door and the, the headline is, you know, a nightmare scenario, theatres reopen in 2021. Yeah. Uh, we'll be looking at, really. Um, that's, I think which, that's more realistic. But, but I think, actually, you know, that then... I'm a big believer in creative limitations. Yeah. I think limitations focus the mind and they help you to come up with interesting solutions which mm -hmm. then can produce more interesting work than you would have done if you didn't have those limitations so looking at that idea of how do we perform an interactive show online i think that's a really interesting limitation mm -hmm. um and there's been some great ideas and some great things that are, are in the pipeline um we've sort of started informally coming up with a list of things that we'd like to do which um require various degrees of freedom so there's things that i don't think we'll be able to touch until the lockdown's lifted a little bit but mm -hmm. there's stuff that we think we can do now um and one of these is is this game that, that we're working on um which is uh second world war theme um and yeah we hopefully we'll be announcing something about that in a, in a week or two's time so it's worth, worth keeping an eye on the on the uh on the public side for that but we have started looking at can we do things because there will be this probably this middle ground where people have returned to work most people have returned to work and shops are open and perhaps schools are open as well but theatres and cinemas and won't places be. where people congregate won't, won't be open so what do you do in that time mm -hmm. and uh, we've, we've had various things sort of lurking for a while and one of the things we've looked at is is it possible to produce a show where uh, an interactive show where we have actors together in a building um, and a link between them and the audience who are at home and mm. still make that interactive yeah um, so we've uh, yeah we, we've we've got something in the early stages of concept uh, for that time as well mm -hmm. um, and talking to other uh, makers and, and people working in this corner of the industry um the belief is once we the sort of prevailing wisdom is once we do start to open up or things are allowed to open but actually it'll be small capacity things that that are allowed first yes which for some of the bigger player immersive theater uh companies that's going to be hard people who who have 300 400 or even yeah. a thousand audience at a go you know the secret cinemas punch drunks and so on yeah they're going to really struggle with that um, well they can't afford to because everyone's saying oh you could sit people like this and like that and i'm like no but the reality is is having less people in that building means it can't really go ahead financially yeah. Yeah. because it, it can't it can't it's not sustainable with fewer yeah, people in the same way you can't sustain a restaurant on a tenth of the number of covers no <laughs> it's just stupid isn't it but obviously we specialize in doing work which is small audience nothing yes. in the parable done thus far really is commercially has been over over 50 audience we've done one show with around 150 people which was a one-off uh, that's the biggest we've, we've done so um so i've been talking to to other people about that uh, it it may be that we wheel out all our greatest hits for a little while once once that is possible um because that small end of the spectrum it looks likely that if anything's going to open before the end of the year it'll be that um, yeah so yeah we're, we're kind of working on that some at the moment um but you know some of this is immersive theater venues obviously this is a, a huge concern for um i mean uh collab which i've been connected to now for a long time yeah uh, you know all of that's closed down at the moment the hope yeah. is that it'll be able to reopen but yeah it depends on how long all of this goes on for um Obviously, Colab has always been under threat of redevelopment. Yes. <laughs> anybody's doing any development at the moment, so it's unlikely that the building would disappear in that sense. And it could be that for immersive theatre makers, there are huge opportunities. I know in the wake of the 2008 financial crash, yeah, there were certainly lots of buildings available. And I think if you own a building in central London at the moment, that's probably the worst worst time in history to, to own property in central London. God, because yeah. There firms now who have been working from home for over a month who are beginning to think do we really mm. need our big expensive office in the center of the city Is they really we? are um so there could be a sudden glut of opportunity in the way mm. of this 
um, it's just yeah. which comes at a good time because obviously the conference um, that, that we had last year as a community was talking actually about how the initial crash was very fruitful but now we were well before all of this we're starting to actually see different difficulties in accessing building and accessing sites because people have kind of got wise to the value of those mm. properties and so it was creating a, a few problems i know quite a few speakers mentioned that um but of course this like you said lots of companies are starting to go actually this is working pretty well for us and it's much more flexible we can be much more flexible with staff with our working mm. hours without huge overheads and yeah. so yeah I think I think the landscape is is going to be different in 2021. Yeah. What that will be, I don't know, but I, I think some companies are definitely reevaluating the way they conduct their business. Absolutely, and then if there is a sudden glut of empty property, mm. well, the opportunities there are, are enormous. Um, mm. So I don't know, we will see. All of this is still up in the air. Nobody really knows anything, and we won't yeah. for, uh, for for a while. Yeah. Um, but no, it's not all doom and gloom in that sense. Uh, I think the doom and gloom part is, is, is the here and now, where people are not able to earn and where there isn't enough financial support. I know that the, um, the application process, or whatever you, as you call it, for, uh, for, the, for the government self-employment um, payout scheme, I know that's now up and running, I think, online. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously that is a, a lot of people holding out for that. Um, I know that the, the Arts Council scheme was massively, massively oversubscribed, um, as of course it would be, uh, and that's start, they're starting to make decisions now. There's no doubt going to be some people being bitterly disappointed in that in the in the coming days and weeks because they're just not going to be able to pay for everybody. No, they're not. Uh, and it, I don't know. Maybe it's time to reassess how how the arts works again. Yeah. Um, how funding works again. Because this current model wasn't sustainable before, so sure, it's actually sustainable now. Um, no. You know, uh, it's interesting. I mean, we've we've made some big, some some good things. We've had we've been very highly regarded in the through reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. But Parabolic won't be able to get money out of the Arts Council because we don't have the track record. Because everything we've done has been commercially produced. Yeah. That's the killer. It's the track record thing that's the killer. Because there are a lot of very fine artists out there who have elected not to go down the Arts Council route simply mm -hmm. because it's too much of a ball. Like, <laughs> oh God, the forms, the forms. Yeah. You have to have kind of like training in just how to complete those bloody forms. Well, I've often joked, you know, what does the Arts Council exist for? Does it exist to support artists or does it exist to support arts administrators? And honestly, I think it's the latter. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> because it's it's you know you need to employ an arts administrator just to fill out the forms to get the money to employ the arts administrator. It's like a ridiculous circular thing. Um, look at some of these you know some uh, um, companies, NPO companies uh, who have an army employ an army of arts administrators and and yeah. a mere of creatives. And it just seems crazy. Not that I don't value the work of arts administrators, of course I do, but there is definitely something of an imbalance there. Well, it's gone the same as everything else, isn't it? It's this kind of um, new labour middle management has also yeah. crept into kind of the arts as well yeah. as kind of business, the HE sector. Um, and so, of course, you end up then with more people facilitating supposedly the work of creatives or educators with the least amount of people being creatives and educators. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, it's a very new, I think, new, new labour sort of middle management model. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and also, it, it, it plays into the business laziness of artists as well. Yeah. Um, and I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about, about that, to be honest, because I think if you're, if you're there, and if you're an artist, if you're listening to this and want to create work, the Arts Council is not your only uh, avenue for doing that. And funding is not your only avenue for doing that. You can go out and make work, particularly in the immersive sphere, that will sustain itself. And you should, frankly, you should, because if you just sit around all day waiting for someone to come and hand you a big pot of money, that is even less likely to happen now than it was six months ago. Because, they, you know, the Conservatives have been hitting the magic money tree very hard. Very hard. <laughs> um, uh, but, but that's not going to go on forever. Uh, and there's going to be payback at some point. 
and and you can tell straight away who's going to have to do the paying back they're going to cut the things that they regard as not essential and they've made it very clear that they don't regard the arts as essential so absolutely you're going to make work you have to learn to survive in the business world and there's this sort of ridiculous kind of um trope of artists to poor business people don't buy into that no don't do not buy into that do not do not put your hand up and say oh that's me because uh, i think it's Darren brown who was talking a while back about um we tell we tell ourselves stories every day and some of those stories are helpful and some aren't and one of the most unhelpful stories that an artist can tell themselves is that they're no good with numbers or they're no good with business or they're no good with finance. Yeah. Um, I do all of Parabolic's business management myself. I don't have an arts administrator. I'm the only person who's employed by Parabolic Theatre. Um, the, I do all of the accounts myself. We don't have an accountant. Uh, I do the VAT return myself. Um, I am not a financial wizard. I am... I'm not. <laughs> I'm just an average artist. You know? I, I don't have any special financial business gifting. I've just sat down and learned it so that I can go and make the shows that I want to make. And Indeed. there's no shortcut. You just have to sit down and do the boring work of, of making sure your business operates. And I'm sure if we could afford an accountant, they'd probably do a better job than me, but you can do it yourself. Yeah. And if that's the only thing standing in the way of you making work. Don't blame the lack of funding. Don't blame the government or the Arts Council or anybody else. Just learn how to be a little bit of a businessman. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Anyone can do it. Um, and there's so many great resources isn't, that are available yeah. to yeah, help absolutely. people to do this. Yeah, definitely. And when you start digging around, you, you find that stuff pretty quickly, really. It is there. Mm-hmm. And I let myself, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm talking from from the point of weakness because i let myself i let that happen to myself for years you know i left university and i sort of buggered about really doing bits of theater and not really settling down to make the work i wanted to make probably because i didn't really know what the work was that i wanted to make to start Mm -hmm. with you've got to know that first as well but um but i used that excuse of oh i'm an artist to not get stuck into the business side of it. I'm scared of the business side of it. It is scary, yeah. it's intimidating. If you've never done any kind of business qualification, you never had any training in it, it is scary looking. Yeah. Um, but that was the only thing that was in my way. And so, you, you, you know, it behooves you to go off and learn it and do it, I think, and, and make it happen. Did, was networking, thinking about people listening, if they're thinking about making work, was, being part of gunpowder and being part of that sort of emerging community mm. important for that as well and in, in kind of giving you confidence yeah. to feel that you could do that and sharing knowledge as well yes absolutely it was and i think it wouldn't have it would have been easy to fall by the wayside if it wasn't for that but it started before any of that happened for me mm-hmm. you know it started with me being like no this is what i want to do now and, and being fired up enough to be certain that this is what i wanted to do and i think that that's the first thing that's always got to happen in that journey is you've got to know the sort of work you want to make and you've got to be so excited about it that you can't settle for anything else. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I was, I was running a small little conventional theater and suddenly that was boring. That was, that was the thing I'd always wanted to do. And then I discovered this rich world of immersive and interactive uh, art. And I was like, no, this is what I want to make. And I was so sold out for it that I made the leap. And I th- so I think that's the first, that was the first stage. But certainly, without the nurturing of your peer group, you can easily fall by the wayside. And it was stepping out into the world and meeting the other plotters and, and getting to know people, getting embedded with uh, Colab, getting to know Bertie, was probably the single biggest thing. Yeah. It's just having a brother there who can, who's going through the same things and who support each other and encourage each other. Um, and I hope I've been an encouragement to him as well, because I know when I first met Bertie, he was burnt out, really, and he was really enough. <laughs> yeah. because the disappointments that hit you are huge and for many people like this is a huge disappointment this whole coronavirus problem is a huge disappointment yeah. you might have been just getting somewhere you know and suddenly this thing comes along and it, it feels like it's feet out um, and it's, the disappointment is going to be massive and at, at those times you just need you need other people on the, on the same mini who yeah. can shrug their shoulders with you and say yeah that's a bit of shit let's go and have a pint <laughs> um, uh, and, and pick yourself up and yeah. yeah 
Sometimes you need somebody else to pick you up. Well, I'm hoping to um, get to talk to Bertie as well, but it was his birthday just recently, so yeah. he's probably recovering from that right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so how have you been keeping in touch? I know that Zoom has become like a central, we're right on it right now, but Zoom has become this kind of, Zoom and Skype have become central to a lot of people who are still working kind of life. So how have you been kind of keeping in touch with the company and keeping things rolling so zoom mainly uh, i'd never yeah. used to until after this lockdown thing started yeah. and then uh, uh it, i think it was tom our resident technocrat was like oh yeah zoom's the thing I was like, okay fine we'll use zoom um zoom is uh yeah zoom's been been great um and we've had a couple of sort of meetings we of the, the kind of core parabolic team one of the things i've been trying to do before this lockdown started was make it make the company less of a one-man band because mm -hmm. uh, if it's going to grow and if it's going to live it needs to be more than a one-man band and so um, we've been trying to expand into a, a core team of people um, particularly a creative team uh, so um, there's a, we, we have got an excellent um, arts uh, administrator producer who's, who's coming <laughs> on board and we're hoping to be able to to pay a at some point in the future, the near future, she, she's, she's sort of uh, moonlighting for us at the moment. Um, but uh, the, the, the kind of core creative team, really, who've, who've worked on um, uh, most, if not all, of our shows, uh, we've been having regular meetings since before the lockdown started just to sort of talk strategy and for me to try and uh, build them up a bit and uh, pass on some of the things that I've had to teach myself or learn and and also get from them new fresh input and ideas and things into the company um, so so yeah we've been doing a bit of zoom but also um, amongst the wider parable family actually just playing games mm -hmm. um, a lot of us have been role players and those who weren't before are swiftly becoming so uh, so there's been a couple of there's been a couple of uh, parabolic uh, role playing game sessions that have been running um, uh, along. Uh, one in particular that started just yesterday, which is uh, terrific fun and is set within the uh, the Fijian country alternate universe, uh, which is really good. So um, so actually just just hanging out and having a bit of leisure time together has been. Mm -hmm. a huge part of it and stopping myself from all going stir crazy and then beyond that um, um like with the other plotters uh i'm part of a, another again role-playing games <laughs> it's amazing a lot of the most of it has sort of risen up out of role-playing games really but um uh, i have a dnd &D group with uh several other key gunpowder plot people and we've been doing that every other week so actually turning into every week now I did um, see on um, on social media that a few people had lost some uh, long-standing characters. Yeah, I yeah. Lost them in a group, but that sounded horrific. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not sure what's gone on there, but it was it was several yeah. people who all posted at the same time, and I was like, oh no. I think he sort of did something. I don't know the story, but as far as I'm aware, they ran into some horrific encounter, and everybody died. And uh, yeah. it was Joe Corpora in that game, and. Uh, that makes sense because I've always thought Joe's probably a bit of a psychopath at heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it sounded like it was cracking. Yeah, um, but, uh, the, yeah. So there's, there's, I think there's been quite a lot of D and D gaming going on. Um, yes. On, and, and just WhatsApp, just keeping in touch with WhatsApp, just sending people a little message. I mean, we have a WhatsApp group for all of our shows. Uh, so every show that we've done has its own WhatsApp group, and we keep them running after the show's closed usually. Uh, and people are always sort of posting various uh, things on that to each other when we see things that remind us of the show. Um, but actually doing that to keep in touch is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, various uh, various things like that have been been going on. But it's the the hardest thing is not seeing people, not being in the same physical space as people. Really. Yeah. Um, that's really really weird. And uh, I look forward to the day we can all meet up in the collab barn at a point again um it feels like that's a really long way off at the moment and it feels yeah. like there's a potential threat that it might never happen 
not because of the virus, but because, you know, so much time might have lost. Yeah. That we might lose people out of the industry altogether. I think that's a big risk with actors, uh, particularly. You know, yeah. young actors, people who've recently graduated, there's that risk of them thinking, well, I've only had a couple of jobs, and so now I'm doing quite well at this thing I found during lockdown. Yeah. Maybe I'll just be doing that. Or, or theatre makers, and this is the one that scares me the most, really, is, is, is theatre makers, people who run companies, either being forced to jack it all in, or just in a similar manner to the actors I was just describing, finding something else to do, finding they enjoy it, and thinking, do you know what, I'm getting older, I want to have a family, or I want to settle down, or whatever. Yeah. As good a time as any to do that. And that's, I, I'm afraid of that. I think I'm more afraid of that than I am of dying of COVID-19. Yeah. Because there are brilliant people out there uh, who I really value as friends and the thought that they might jack it all in is horrible. Yeah. It'll be, and I think, I think that's it, isn't it? It's a loss of potentially the community and yeah. the momentum that, it, that it's had. Yes, and that momentum, the growth, I think that's the thing that's the biggest threat because yeah. the, I think there are some pretty strong relationships amongst people who started out on this journey together. Yeah. Uh, people have called it, I don't know whether people call it second wave and third wave. I don't know what wave it yeah, is for <laughs> but, but but that group that have all sort of started out on this journey together, who stayed together, there's some really strong relationships there. I don't think those people are gonna particularly break apart. But we were trying to expand it, we we're trying to grow it. And I know that was the vision, definitely particularly the vision for Gunpowder Club was just to try and grow it and encourage new people and bring in another generation. Mm-hmm. And that will inevitably stall with this. Yeah. Um, the people that you've only just started making relationships with, it's really difficult to hold on to those relationships. Yeah. And like people you've worked on shows with or hung around a lot with or just got blind drunk with or gone to, <laughs> you know, those things stay more readily. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I, that's, that I think is difficult, that community thing. But then I've also heard many positive um, signs. I've spoken quite a bit to. Uh, to Brian Hook of the Mercy of London and I know their venue obviously they've, they've not been open that long and there's all kinds of potential problems there they've got a very expensive venue to run there and obviously mm-hmm. they're not going to do anything at the moment but those guys are pretty brilliant business minds I'm sure they'll find a way through it yeah. um, and, and they are keen to see that, that uh, community thing rebooting and growing and I do wonder whether we're, we might just emerge from this thing all the stronger Mm-hmm. If maybe some of the fragmentation of that community uh, disappears, you know, yes. because there are lots of sort of disparate groups doing things. And whilst we all kind of knew each other, we were sort of all doing our own thing separated up. Maybe in order to survive, we all have to band together a bit more closely, and maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, yeah. Maybe it would solidify something in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Well, I, I think. I, we know that the appetite for audiences was growing uh, exponentially, I think, for this kind of work. And I think this will exacerbate that in some ways because people haven't had contact. Oh, I think I've lost you there. Hang on. Oh, there we go. People haven't not being able to have contact with other human beings outside of your household, I think is, is going to increase the appetite once we can kind of, have people in a close vicinity to us again because I think people have missed it and it's one of the things I've seen across all the kind of like my social life and work is people just saying I just want to hug I just want to be able to touch somebody else yeah some humanity and and to uh, yes I I would agree with that very strongly and I think as well one of the things that had led to that sort of slight fragmentation was that sense of rivalry which mm. can be very healthy, you know, when, you, when you're looking at another group over there doing something, you're like, oh, I want to be doing better than them. It can be very healthy. You know, iron sharpens iron, and we, we all produce better work if we're all trying to outdo each other. That's good. But yeah. where it's unhealthy is where, you, where there's mistrust or distance or where you're like, oh, I don't want to work with them like over there. They did that thing, you know. Um, and this whole virus thing has actually humanized all of us a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a dehumanizing thing to look at each other and have that kind of suspicion whereas it's a very humanizing thing when you just call somebody up not because you've got some business thing to talk about but because you just want to have a chat um, and I've seen quite a bit of that happen people have done that for me and I've done that for other people and mm-hmm. um, 
and then it becomes less about that rivalry and it's much more about whatever makes um you can still you can still want to outdo each other but 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 also if there's that closeness there's a closeness that comes from seeing each other as human beings more yes and when we're all under threat of being taken out by a horrible virus it's much mm-hmm. easier to have that compassion for each other and to, to see each other as real people mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess yeah well it's lovely to hear that there is kind of this hopefulness and that there is now a sort of some productivity kind of activity going on so how might people listening what's the best route for them to kind of see when all of the fruits of your kind of behind the digital scenes uh comes comes to fruition really the fruits of your labor uh, i would say keep an eye on the keep an eye on the parabolic theater website parabolic mm-hmm. uh, we'll post stuff on there for king and country also has its own website and every, yeah. it, that that's broadened out for really now from being just one show to being a a universe of shows <laughs> that are all connected together uh, <laughs> so keep the for king and country website as well for king um our Twitter has been very quiet because we haven't had much to tweet about, but mm-hmm. it's always worth keeping an eye on the Parabolic Theatre Twitter because we'll post probably first on Twitter, whatever we're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, and, and join up to our mailing list as well, Parabolic Theatre mailing list. There's a link on our website for that. And I may, uh, We're going to turn to our mailing list first to test uh, this thing that we're putting together. So we're likely to announce something in a couple of weeks' time or maybe even slightly sooner but um we'll be initially only only doing that for people who are signed up to the website uh to the mailing list um who probably would have seen our work before and know who we like because inevitably when you're trying something new with new technology there are going to be problems you know <clears throat> you buy a 30 yes. grand car for three grand you're going to have problems yes. same applies to, to, to dabbling about with new technology that you've not used before um, when you're a theatre company and not a tech company, we're going to have problems. So it's not going to be smooth to start with. We want to get it smooth. And the only way to do that is to test it out. And we'd rather test it out with people who know us. And yes. that we're less judgmental than people who've never seen anything by us before. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, that would be the best, that would be the quickest way to, to do that. Um, and as I say, keep an eye, sometimes... We've got our own internal testing taking place starting next week. Um, so, so we're doing, uh, we'll have a very rough, if you were to sort of um, translate it into uh, conventional theatre parlance, we're about to hit our first stagger through of the, of the show. Yeah. Um, so it'll all fall apart and it'll take 17 hours and it'll be horrendous and nobody will like it and we'll all weep into our beer at the end of it. And, yeah. then we'll fix it and then it might look good within a couple of weeks of that um so uh, uh yeah so so that's that's actually due to happen early next week so. well that's exciting then that's something really positive to kind of look forward to so yeah, i know yeah. i will definitely be looking forward to that yeah. it should be good fun and to just give you an idea of what it is like it's nautical themed nautical themed um there's an element of battleships in there if you haven't played the uh I have, you know, yeah. It's an element of it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, for those who've enjoyed the King of Country in that universe and have sat in the uh, in the war room of the King of Country and thought, where the hell are the Navy? Uh, we're about to answer that question. <laughs> Excellent. So that's a lovely teaser there for people of uh, kind of what to expect to come. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then alongside that, the same mechanics we're developing for that, we're hoping to roll out across a variety of different shows. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who played Bridge Command uh, and enjoyed Bridge Command and played through the different episodes of that, our intent was to, uh, to finish the Bridge Command story with a mega game. And we were going to play that out over the course of a day, uh, possibly a collab. We were going to get everyone together. Um, and and it would would have looked and felt much more like a conventional mega game rather than a, an immersive mm-hmm. show, um, because it would have been more focused on the mechanics. Um, well, we've I've been doing quite a lot of tra- work translating what we would have done live on the day into an online thing. So the plan is yeah. that this this works with this test with the thing that we're developing. We'll use that to play out the Bridge Command mega game online for all the people who, who came and loved that show and were looking forward to doing it. Um, 
then that hopefully will then still take place at some point in the summer, which had always been our plan. Great. Well, thank you so much um, for taking time out to chat to me (laughs) from, I'm not sure... I'm not sure what room you're in. I'm in my mum's attic, so. <laughs> uh, I'm in the study, uh, which is, it's, it's, it's my little creative lair. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit of a mess right now because it's got a lot of the boxes in it that we used to pack up all of the stuff that were in the kitchen. But uh, yeah, it's slowly turned back into its original purpose. Well, that's been one of yeah. the interesting things. Some people blur their backgrounds um, when they're in big Skype meetings, but some people don't. So it's been quite interesting, especially with work colleagues, to kind of see the grand backdrops in their houses, all these kind of <laughs> rooms with harps and grand pianos. And I'm like, oh my ah. God. <laughs> Well, there's no harps in here, but there is an extraordinary <laughs> powerful computer, uh, with, which, ooh, whoopsie, ooh. which has, has a lot of monitors attached to it. Yes, um, it does. But, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it kind of looks like a, a, a hacker's layer. <laughs> it is a little bit of a hacker's layer, actually. It's, it was from my days of uh, filmmaking, and they used to use this for video editing, so I've got a whole kind of video editing suite in here. Um, so, yeah, which, which can also do some pretty cool special effects. So, um, yeah, I, I've got like a, a, I run the Adobe suite of software, so After Effects, things like that. Um, yeah. So that was my my passion for a little while yeah (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much and um i hope everyone listening manages to catch kind of all the new stuff that's coming out and keep their eye open for that and it'll be really interesting to see how things go and depending on sort of how long it goes on for hope to catch up again with you quite soon so thank you very much yeah and hopefully we can have a chat well we'll we'll have the benefit of hindsight then we can see yes. whether or not all we talked about came to be or whether yes, <laughs> uh, exactly. fell from the sky and started devouring everybody because quite frankly 2020 like anything could happen right now literally anything anything <laughs> could happen I, I wouldn't actually be surprised by dragons no. i think dragons would be the least surprising thing yeah, it might even be an improvement i mean <laughs> Well, according to Donald Trump, heat, heat and bleach. So uh, if we have dragons that come, maybe they can purge the virus from everybody. Great. <laughs> I'm all for it. That sounds fantastic. I think that's a, that's a good note to uh, to end that on, isn't it? Is is is, is there be dragons? <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode and found it interesting. I'm going to be talking to other practitioners over the next week or so about the impact of the coronavirus on them and their practices. And my hope is to bring those to you as swiftly as possible after they've been recorded. So keep your ears open because hopefully there's going to be more to come. Till next time. Bye bye.